You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, folks. Welcome back to the latest Mount Westwire football podcast. Starting week nine. MWR.com is where all of our stuff is at. Predictions, rankings, analysis, um, news, I guess, Matt. Do we call ourselves news sometimes, Matt Kennerly? <laughs> Especially this week. Oh, there's a – oh, yeah. we got tipped to us some news tonight, but we'll see – or today. We'll, we'll get to the news as the games progress. We are stating, like I said, week nine. Did you know, Matt, we have um, – there's already one bowl eligible team in the conference. There is. They've been bowl – well, actually, no, wait. Excuse me. Is Boise State bowl eligible? Are they 6-0, and 6-1 now? I – thought they were still five and one. Oh, i should have checked that before i spout off and say we got this this week you no, know what they're six and one excuse me all right we got two bowl teams san diego state joined them last week so i don't know why i brought that up but i just did because why not oh hey i'm asking this matt did you um happen to take a peek at the bowl rankings i did this week i did not good because fresno state didn't make the cut this week i'm sorry okay well first of all how dare you <laughs> <laughs> I had to make hey blame Boise. Know, I'm just, I'm just blame Boise State for not keeping the New Year's Six thing open. Yeah, and they'll, they'll they'll keep playing their yeah. way back into things. We'll get that. And also, Cheezable is slowly closing the door because you know Wisconsin and Pac-12 not getting to New Year's Six teams possibly. So my reasoning for those who are wondering, had a few people give me some crap. Fresno, I'm thinking might finish six and six, and they might have a Wyoming situation like last year. Possibly, yeah. Be- and partly because I think every other team will have at least seven wins. And if you're six, you got to be taken after teams with six or- with more than six wins mm-hmm. to prevent a six and six Texas going over like a ten and two Louisiana Tech or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that type of thing. So that that's kind of where we're at. But it'll change. It's um, it's hey, things are changing this week. We got lots of stuff going on, so it's a fluid process. And we'll get to New Year's Six stuff, I guess, maybe a touch this week. We'll see because the boys are not playing, so we we don't need to spend. A ton of time talking about what they're up to. Besides, especially relax. when there are a lot of other things to discuss. Yeah, so maybe I'll write something about it, but maybe we'll speak on it later. So, all right, so let's go as we do chronological order. We have San Jose State Spartans take on the uh, now, um, as you sort of predicted preseason, the not so great Army Black Knights. I was just about to bring that up. <laughs> uh, maybe we should mention the pertinent information first. It is a 9 a.m. kickoff because it's on the East Coast at West Point. Breakfast football. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, roll out of bed, grab your mimosas or your white claws or whatever you happen to be drinking at that hour and tune into CBS Sports Network. Yep. Or me. I, love, I found a clotchy place here in town. So good. Do you have clot? Do you know what a clotchy is? I have never heard of that in my life. Never? No. Okay, I'll take about 10 seconds here. So basically, it's basically like a, you know what a pig in a blanket is, essentially? Mm-hmm. It's something like that, but much better. That's just kind of the most basic. You put stuff inside a hot roll. So it's like breakfast stuff. So it could be sausage and egg, bacon and egg. It could be whatever you want to put inside there. Or it could be like a sweet one with like a cream cheese and like strawberry, cream cheese and raspberry, Nutella and whatever on a biscuit kind of. Mm-hmm. So quite tasty. So I found a place there. Very inexpensive. Love it. So I'll get some clashes probably for Saturday morning because those are good too. Nice. Just put it all together. Breakfast. Get the 
how often do you have, well, I guess we do out West have some more breakfast football than normal, but when it's your team, it's a bit different, right? There you go. So what's your, what, what do we not like about army, Matt? You, we all mentioned they played air force. Their schedule is paper soft. They nearly beat Michigan. who's also garbage, but they're the triple well, option team. And the Spartans, a, a deficiency is sort of stopping the run a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. And it's, it's not like San Jose state has been on a per play basis, the worst team in the conference as far as, you know, run defense, like they're only giving up 4.57 yards per carry, which is actually not too bad. Part of the problem that they've faced at least so far this year is that only one other, one other team in the country has seen more rushing attempts than the Spartans. You know, since the beginning of the year, Opponents have run the ball against San Jose State 343 times, which is, if I remember correctly, that was like 49 carries per game. I just looked exactly 49, which it'll probably be 60 plus this weekend because it's Army. And, you know, to their credit, the the, the figure for the season is, is inflated overall uh, a little bit by the performances that they had against Air Force when they really kind of struggled to contain the Falcons. And then the following week against New Mexico, when it was you know a few big plays that let the Lobos back into the game and in the second half. So if you take the the bird's eye view, you can say that they've held up fairly well overall when it comes to defending the run. But again, you know ex- what exactly what Army is going to do on that front. Mm-hmm. You know that they're going to come in and they're going to run that triple option offense. So looking back at how that Air Force game unfolded is going to be really you know kind of key. For the Spartans. Mm-hmm. But conversely, Army hasn't been quite as good at running the football this year. You know, they you know, their own per play rushing offense is down to four point six six, which which when you compare that to what they had done over the last few years, um, they've dropped off a little bit. Like two years ago they were at six yards of carry, just to kind of put that into context. And Again, their own season figures are inflated a little bit by performances that they had against UTSA and Morgan State in the last three games, which they've lost all of them. And granted, none of them by more than nine points. They haven't, I mean, they've cracked 4.5 last week against Georgia State, but against Tulane and Western Kentucky, which I don't think is really anybody's idea of, you know, know, better than average defenses, let's say. Yeah. They were up 4.4 and 3.8 we're giving so georgia, georgia state 0.45 and so if you're looking for how this game is gonna break one way or the other i think that's where you start because again san jose state's been okay when it comes to defending the run part of the problem is that they've just you know they're mostly below average just because they've seen so many attempts and so those guys up front are going to have their work cut out for them especially if they can't contain the full pack dive because Army's leading rusher, Connor Slomka, uh, is their fullback. You know, he's averaging, I think, 4.5 yards per carry, which, again, is good, not great. But, you know, it really comes down to kind of limiting that efficiency, getting that Army offense off the field. Yeah, like, when you look at yards per game, it's not a great stat, but something interesting to look at. They're, like, I think, top 10. But mm-hmm. yards per play, it's, like, I think tied for 50th. But when they noted, yeah. and it's with any, or I guess I'll note now, not that I noted, but... When you look at these offenses, like what New Mexico used to do, all the Naval Naval Academy or Service Academies, any team that does a triple option, they have the big plays. You know, Army only has 20, or excuse me, only nine plays with 20 plus or more on the ground. Basically only one a game. 
Yeah, right? barely and, won a and game. again, it's it's not necessarily about being explosive. Yeah, yeah, kind of in tandem with that, they are also third nationally on offense and stuff rate. Mm-hmm. So while they're not breaking off many big plays, they also aren't getting get they aren't, they aren't getting pushed backwards that often either. Yeah, but I'm saying like typically big plays is why that's part of the reason why Army's not as good as they they have been or expected to be, which is a good thing. Like only nine plus big plays, they'll get the shorter plays, but you don't want to see a triple option team bust off. Like we've seen it. Air Force has 60 yard run, 45 yard run. These option teams have these huge bursts of plays. That's mm-hmm. why I think with army, not having that explosive explosiveness as normal, that does cut down the yards per play, but it gives San Jose state some assistance there where the big play is not what army is going to beat you with. They may just chip you down the field and have a 12 play 14 minute <laughs> driving a touchdown and just milk the clock and give you the sleeper hold the whole game. But I don't think Army's going to go out and have these huge 50-yard runs or even 35-yard runs this game. And that's one of the keys to stopping these type of teams. Don't allow the big play. Give them the yards. It's going to happen. It's, just, it's limiting the six or seven-yard yeah, yeah, yeah. If they, yeah, Because two plays, you know, that's a first What down. Army wants to do is they want to set themselves up in manageable situations. They want to mm-hmm. stay on schedule which is part of the reason that in addition to being third in stuff rate on offense, that they are also in the top 20 as far as power success rate. So they are winning those short guarded situations when they need to move the chains far more often than not. And they're in the top 50 by opportunity rate. And if you want to compare that to what Air Force did or what they have done to this point, Air Force is basically a top 25 team by that same metric. Mm -hmm. So it's that little bit of difference that might make all the difference in this game is just, you know, can they hold the fullback diver? Can they hold Kelvin Hopkins? Who's actually the team's second leading rusher to three or four yards per carry rather than five or six. Yeah. It's that, that's probably the biggest thing because I believe with what we see with Josh love this, are we looking at another 400 yard passing game maybe from him? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, army's been pretty okay as far as depending the pass, but again, it's really hard to say whether or not they faced uh, a passing offense this year quite like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, you just go down the line and see who they played this year. You know, Michigan, Rice, Schedule's UTSA, bad. Tulane. Like, Tulane's got a pretty good passing offense, mm-hmm. but I would say overall that Josh Love might be the best quarterback that the Black Knights have seen to this point. Oh, yeah. I, better and, than Shea Patterson, he, I think. Easily and, he's, and he's going to have to get off to a better start. Because I think it's pretty well defined at this point that they're really only going to win as many games as Josh Love can win for them. He will will them to victory in certain situations. <laughs> but I think it's it's worth keeping in mind that, you know, especially after facing San Diego State last week, you know, going up against this Army front is definitely going to be kind of a reprieve because the Black Knights aren't great at generating a pass rush. Like, they're, they're leading, you know, sack guy. Uh, he only has four sacks, Elijah Riley. Um, he's a cornerback. Nobody else in the on the team has more than one and a half sacks. So if they can protect him, keep him upright, which again has actually been a very prominent strength of the Spartans to this point. Um, I, it to me, this game has the potential to play out a lot like the game that Army played last year against Hawaii, where even if the Spartans can't get the ground game going which I'm, I'm kind of having my doubts at this point that they ever really will on a consistent basis in this year. Tyler Evans has not lived up to what we thought he would be. Yeah. So again, you know, Josh Love is probably going to have to lead the way. And so I think it's just going to be a matter of, can he get off to a faster start? Because again, he struggled last week, you know, 
you know, getting going early in the first half against against the Aztecs, and that really kind of put them behind the eight ball. So if if he can come out, you know, even on their first drive, and even if they're down, you know, if they're down three nothing, or if they just get the ball first, and they can go down and get a touchdown. They really want Army to play catch up. I think that's how they're going to win this game. So I'm looking over at. Um, I was trying to figure out where you'd put the San Jose State team on their schedule. Mm-hmm. Went over to College Football News really quick. Everybody, Pete has his one thirty one to one thirty. Yeah. Who do you think he'd have ranked higher, Army or San Jose State? Uh, I would guess Army. No, he's Army one ten, San Jose State one hundred five. Interesting. Which is also interesting because Army is a nine point home favorite, which is a lot of points. Spe- specifically when. They scored eight points and lost to Western Kentucky last week, or last time they played, whenever they played them, <laughs> a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. They are not scoring too many points. Like Rice, they only scored 14. Michigan to 21 is like is what their third most on the year, essentially. They're not scoring a ton of points. Like, Tulane's pretty good, but like, I would put like San Jose State probably better, better than Western Kentucky, better than Georgia State. It's like they played Morgan State. Like, this could be the second, third best team they played, right? Behind Tulane and Michigan. Possibly, yeah. Much. Yeah. So, I think the nine and a half is way too high. I mean, I, I'm definitely with you on that one. All right, so let's um, it's San Jose State. Let's kind of move on to what we're doing. So, what does FEI and all those guys have for this matchup? All right, so uh, FEI does like Army. Uh, they favor them by ten point nine. Uh, Bill Connolly's SP plus metric also likes Army by thirteen point five, which is a seventy eight percent win probability. What do you got? I like the Spartans in this one. Ooh. I mean, I, I don't know that those advanced measures have really caught up with the struggles that Army has had in the past few weeks. So even though I kind of expect them to be able to move the ball fairly consistently, I'm just not sure if they have what it takes to really stand up uh, for 60 minutes at least against what San Jose State's going to throw at them, which is a very strong passing offense. So I expect it to be a relatively high-scoring affair. Cool. Over under fifty-three if you're keeping track at home. Uh, I'm gonna go slightly over. I'm gonna say San Jose State thirty-one, Army twenty-eight. All right, it's a close one. I am taking San Jose State to win by ten points, thirty to twenty. Right. Because there like, you go. Everybody else on our staff, most people have Army winning. I think people. Okay, no offense to anybody, not like people who cover the game with us and stuff, but. They think San Jose State's garbage. They're not a great team, we know. They're getting better. But I think there might be some, like you mentioned, how the advanced metric aren't catching up to Army's downfall a little bit. I think people across the country are like, oh, they almost beat Michigan. Well, that's their best. When your best thing is almost beating a team that's struggling themselves, despite them being top 15, yeah, you might not be doing too good. <laughs> so that's, our, that's, that's what we got. Next game. All right. Nevada at Wyoming. Oh, boy. Here comes the news onslaught, Matt. Here's what we got. So okay. this game is uh, noon local time at Wyoming in War Memorial Stadium. Uh, I shoot, I have the wrong. I have ESPN up here, not the Mountain West page. Is this a AT and T game? That is correct. Okay, AT and T Sports Network. So if you're out of market, and it's just weird. If you can get the game, great. Check the Mountain West website or Stadium website. You can stream it there. But it's weird. We haven't mentioned this too much. But basically, if you're in the footprint. That is not airing the game on AT&T or Root Sports, in your case, Matt, because you're kind of that Northwest area for some reason for Root Sports. You basically have to be away where you can't watch the game at all on TV. Mm-hmm. So that's how you can stream it. If you get it, it's on Root Sports or AT&T or whatever. So just kind of the PSA for that. Wyoming just staggering 
14 point favorite, Matt. Is that too much? Not enough? Hard to say. I mean, I think this is probably spot on if it's hard to say. (laughs) Well, I mean, it it leads into kind of our first big piece of news that's come out this week, which is that Malik Henry, after last week's performance, not suspended, not not suspended, suspended, but they're asking him to focus more on his academics at this point. So according to the latest depth chart, Carson Strong is back at the QB1 spot. So let me ask you about that, Matt, because you deal in academics for what you do essentially right you can help people write and do stuff at the university so if you're an athlete which i don't know if you assist those people at all or whatever for whatever reason or any just if you do it all or not you gotta be eligible to play Mm -hmm. so but as we if if i'm correct malik henry is a senior correct i think he's a junior if i'm not mistaken okay i wish to double check maybe that's something i should look up really quick but what i'm thinking is that maybe if he is on the verge of, I, I get it. It's it's not a bad thing to do. It's just a curious thing because if you're not doing good grades, that's kind of why you're there. You're not there just to play football. You're there yeah, to do football. He's a junior. Just to okay. Play. So what they might be doing, which is, hey, you might be our guy next year because he played pretty well in the first game. He came out and played mm-hmm. well. Utah State, not as much. And so you don't want him to, give, I think it to be a 2.0, which to be honest, as we know, fairly low standard to be eligible, in my opinion. I don't think that's asking too much to be a 2.0 guy. Um, but if he gets below that, he's not going to be able to play if they make a bowl game in January or depending on the game is and semester ends. But basically they might be saving him for next year. Yeah. And it's a good thing too. If you're not doing good in school, it's like, you gotta have, it's kind of like your reward to play. You're on scholarship because if you don't get, if you're not eligible, are you going to scholarship next year? He walked on or actually did. He walked on. So he didn't even have a scholarship. So maybe that's something they're putting out there. Hey, if you get your grades up, you can have a scholarship to play next year and you'll be able to play next year. You don't want to be ineligible after him transferring so many schools to get that chance to finally get in there to play. So you got to applaud Coach Norvell. It's like, okay, you got to be ready to be on football because I don't think, I think we both agree he's not having a pro career in football, most most likely. Never say never, but we never, probably not, it seems like. So get that path correct. Be ready for next year. So if, if you are the guy, because Carson Strong, he's going to be around next year. You're going to be fighting for that job. And so. I also did also the football thing, Matt. Does this make any real difference for you who started or not? I mean, I think it might have if Henry were the starter, just because we've seen the the Nevada offense be really uneven with strong under center. So I I kind of have my doubts as to whether the quarterback switch, you know, whether uh, whatever the purpose behind it is, whether that's going to pay dividends against this kind of defense. Well, it's like really good defense. That's a problem, right? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly that's the problem. Like... And just to kind of put that in context, you know, we talk about SP plus, and I think it's worth noting that at least among Mountain West teams, if you look at the breakdown between like offensive SP plus versus defensive SP plus, mm-hmm. uh, Wyoming's got the best defense in the conference outside of San Diego State, which we'll talk more about in a minute. So. What what is Nevada? Because I like I said, I don't think it changed. It maybe changes a little bit for you. I don't think it changes all that much. Henry started in the past two weeks, yeah. But it gets wrong. Like, what can Nevada do? Like, is Tautua has kind of sophomore slump or not playing great? Can he? They're not going to be able to rely on him. And last week they only scored three points. I get the weather was an issue up in Logan, but Utah State had the same issues and put up thirty something points. See, I think one thing that they're going to have to do in this game is. You know, if they get, if they have to string together long drives, then they have to string. They have to do it. Yeah. 
Um, because if you just look at you know points per drive breakdowns over at uh, BCF Toys, which, which is the home of the FBI metric that we talk about all the time, you know, Nevada overall uh, in net points per drive is a, they're 116th, and you know they've had struggles on both sides of the ball. But one thing that really jumps out is when the field gets shorter for the offense. And, and maybe this is kind of an obvious thing, but they have done a lot better when they've had better field position to work with, you know, in, on long drives, which is, I think if I remember correctly is defined by starting at within their own 20 yard line, they're 113th nationally in that regard. And one of the things that you can point to with Wyoming is like, they've been okay as far as converting offensive drives, but they are number one, in the country or they are tied for first in the country. They haven't allowed a single point when opponents have started inside their 20. So I think if, if the Cowboys win the field position game as the game progresses, you know, Nevada finding ways to move the ball, even without explosive plays, you know, just finding some measure of efficiency, which I think in this case is going to come down to, can they get Toa going? Which again, is a really big if considering the performance that Wyoming's front four has put up this year let me ask you this really quick hold on i'm looking over at chris murray at nevada sports net mm-hmm. who do you think has a better running back situation not running uh, i mean not running games or running backs as far as a running back situation i mean i i at the moment yeah it's probably nevada okay i thought it was close i, I might leave because titus one is still out mm-hmm. Xavier validate it's difficult to say just how close to 100 he is but you know to his credit he battled last week and he played pretty well um, but they do have Brett Brenton behind him on the depth chart at this point. And let's not forget, it, it was like two or three weeks ago that he came out of nowhere and had like 80 yards on, yeah. on 10 or 12 attempts. Yes. Okay. So Just I feel like better okay. is kind of relative when it's it comes close, to this Wyoming. Right? I'd say. Okay. Sorry, continue your thought. I just kind of steamrolled over there on you. But I think, you know, the other challenge that Wyoming's going to have, and maybe this is something that Nevada can, can parlay to their advantage in, and this is something we talked about a little bit last week as well when Wyoming played New Mexico. Nevada's front has been pretty good about stopping the run, like better than you might suspect. And so it may be tougher sledding than a lot of Cowboys fans might realize, you know, and I think it was pro football focus put out this measure. I think it was just the highest graded defenders to this point. And if I recall correctly, Dom Peterson was the number one, you know, edge rusher in the conference to, to this point. He's pretty good. Yeah, better than Curtis Weaver, apparently. Oh, oh, that's that, and that's what I'm saying. Keep it quiet. <laughs> and and this is you know obviously the how they measure things is somewhat different than just like looking at sacks and tackles for loss, but you know Nevada's been pretty tough on a lot of regards like they're you know going back to the opportunity rate Wyoming's been you know they've been a little worse than you might suspect as far as creating those four five six yard plays they're 96th on offense and opportunity rate with 40 45 percent essentially Nevada's in the top 20 nationally by that same regard on defense and that's a credit to guys that we maybe haven't given enough credit to this point this year you know guys like peterson like Hausia sakona and sam hammond who have really kind of stepped up and you know been able to muddy things up so i can definitely see this game being more of a slugfest a little bit closer to 
what it was last week between Wyoming and New Mexico, where maybe both offenses, you know, even despite some glaring weaknesses on the other side of the ball, that they can't exploit them consistently. What I want to see, which could be interesting, this one, you're right on all that stuff, but I made my kind of my pre midseason projection about um, who is it, Sean Chambers? Let's go to Wyoming quarterback mm-hmm. situation here. Um, completing 40, 45% for the year. He did crack 60% this past week, but his like his yardage per play wasn't very good. I It's kind of the record here, but like Nevada. Ooh, oh, sorry. My phone's going crazy for a moment. <laughs> Jeez, I have a, hold on. Sorry. My phone started buzzing. Like, what the heck is that? Sorry. But quarterback play, I'm getting at. That's something where, which we've harped on all year, Matt. It's like, it's no thing we don't know. It's like, he's going to run the ball. And there's a good piece over at trib.com. Let's cover one about how do they handle knowing that's what's that's what they're doing and opponents know what's coming and opponents can't really stop it. That's kind of a big deal. It's like it's similar to I guess what Air Force and Army and Navy go with, like when they go against teams, they know what's coming. I there's gotta be at some point, which I don't get, which maybe is the UNLV game a bit, but how is it with how the running game's going, they're not using play action more often to find somebody? To get help Chambers have a better passing opportunity. Because, again, he can't go I like 36%. I think they are from what I have seen. It's just that they haven't been able to connect on those passes consistently. Okay, do, do something to get better for Chambers. I don't know. Like, I, maybe his last game I didn't see a ton, but whatever. It's something you should be doing, so maybe I'm not. Because we don't watch every game extremely closely the whole game. They'll take clips or highlights or condensed stuff. But it's accuracy. It's like it's got to get better in some way or the other. And I think Nevada should or, me, one, we should win and probably not really be that close in this game, I'm thinking, even though Nevada's sitting at four and three, because it's going to sort of come down to, like defense, I think will shut down Nevada pretty pretty well, similar to what Utah State did last week to, to the three points, because again, new quarterback. But if Wyoming's going to say win by, because they're favored by a lot of points, 14 and a half. Mm-hmm. But the over-under is also a, oh boy, 43 and a half, Matt. 43 and a half. So, if they're going to win by that amount, they need Sean Chambers to actually have a a decent game, like similar to what he did last week. Like, go sh- give me six of ten and ninety yards. Is that too hard to ask for? Sometimes it is, apparently. Apparently, but that, like, even my point, like, if they're going to want I to do, win yeah. comfortably, they need to find somebody to either catch the ball or have him throw more accurate passes because he's not very accurate. And his currently his um completion percentage for the season after that big game put him at forty four forty one point one percent, Matt progress man uh, that's like my big thing like we know they're gonna run they're gonna run well chambers will probably run pretty well even don peterson causing some havoc against him i just don't see nevada going on the road and getting the win after another switch of quarterback all right so should i throw the advanced numbers out there let me do mine really quick first because i like okay, go for you it. get fpi because the way we're talking a little bit it seems like it might be close sort of wyoming 90 percent chance to win on fpi all right, then. And really quick, I'll do mine. I only do mine occasionally, but team ranking, 30 to 14 and a half, 38 to 17.8 for number five in favor of Wyoming. So I think it's like a convincing win, like almost, what, 20, 20 points in one of those. I mean, you want to talk about that. Oh, <laughs> what these um, guys got? So FBI really <laughs> likes the Cowboys in this one by 26.9. That's a lot of points. It is a lot of points. Is that too many? Uh, yeah, SP Plus is a little more lukewarm, but they still like Wyoming by 11.9, which is a 75% win probability. So what's your prediction then? I mean, I think Wyoming is going to win. 
but I think it's going to be kind of like a, another another episode of Winning Ugly with Craig Bull. I'm kind of thinking same with you. And so I would definitely take Nevada plus 14 and a half if I could get it. Um, but I'm going to take the Cowboys to win. I'm going to say 21-14. I think it's going to be like last week's game versus New Mexico a little bit. It's going to be a fist fight. Yeah, because the only difference between those two, I think Nevada has – they do a better offense, I think, because Toa too, if like if he has a big game, that could be the difference for them getting to win. But I might think I'm, – I'm going with you. Low-scoring game, I go 21-10 for a while, I mean – because that fifty-something point versus UNLV is just such an aberration for the Cowboys. Yeah, and the only way they could cover, I'd say, if there's a say like a special teams or a defensive touchdown for Wyoming, that could yeah. If definitely. that happens, then I could see them covering to get like say to twenty-eight points. But mm-hmm. it's it's going to be a close, fairly close one. But it's, you know, what I mean, it's going to be one of those where it's like the Mexico game was fairly close, but you kind of knew who's going to win watching that game as it went along. Yeah, I, w- I wasn't too concerned about Wyoming losing that one, but. That's what we got. All right, next game, speaking of New Mexico, Hawaii comes to town to Albuquerque. Oh, boy. Ten po- Is this right, Matt? A 10-point road favorite for Hawaii? Honestly. 71 and a half over under. I don't understand that at all. Which one, the 10 points or 71 and a half? The minus 10. Why? It should be higher? Have they have they not watched this Lobos team at all this year? <laughs> Hawaii can score 71 points on their own. In this game, right? They absolutely could. <laughs> Are they going to win like seventy-one to zero and piss a lot of people? Well, and piss a lot of people off who pick the over. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be seventy-one to zero. No. But you know, if we want to start talking about this game with how many points they can put up, I think you start by looking at one of the like what looks like on paper one of the wildest mismatches of the entire season, which is. Basically, Cole McDonald and this receiving crew versus this Mexico secondary. That give up, if you're wondering, I'll give the numbers right now, Matt. They've lost 19 touchdowns, which mm-hmm. is, by the way, Nevada has the most at 21. So, Sean Chambers, good luck there. Uh, almost 10 yards per attempt, 9.4. Yeah, and and, and again, we just <laughs> talked about Wyoming and Sean Chambers completing, what, 60% of his passes? Yeah, I like Sean that. Chambers completed sixty percent of his passes <laughs> against the local secondary. Hey, to be fair, it was what was it six of ten? It's six. No, it was nine of fifteen. Nine of fifteen. Okay, not it's even better. Nine of fifteen. So what's Cole like? Seriously, what's Cole McDonald going to do? Like uh, thirty six of forty? You have to set the bar at four hundred yards. You have. To are we getting five hundred? Are we getting five hundred yards if he plays the entirety? I mean, he he might. I mean, you. I mean, we talked about this last week. But again, New Mexico has given up over 400 yards four different times already this season. I'm checking something really quick as you're talking. Cole McDonald's season high this year is 421 versus Oregon State. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing what he had last year. Did he have 500 yards all last year? His I ca- don't believe His so. career high, whew, this is going to hurt for the Aztec fans, versus San Diego State, 452 yards. Is he going to beat that game? He went that game. He went twenty nine of forty six, three touchdowns, no picks, four hundred fifty two yards passing. Will he eclipse that? I think that there's a outside possibility that he could if he plays the whole game, right? And and this is without you know another you know Uh-oh. piece of news that came out this week. But Melquis Stovall, who last week had two touchdowns, I believe it was, mm-hmm. um, not on the team anymore. Oh boy. But I don't think that's going to matter because they still have three guys who are averaging 
you know, Cedric Bird's not averaging that many yards per catch, but he's still leading the league in both receiving yards and touchdowns and receptions. And, you know, opposite of him, you know, they have Jojo Ward and Jared Smart who are averaging 15 and 12 yards respectively. Um, like it, this, this is a game that if the Lobos get off to a slow start on offense, it could get really ugly really quick. Yeah, I, I could see this seriously 21-0 in the first quarter, first three possessions. I mean, the, the Hawaii has, and I'm just looking this up and I didn't realize this. Um, Hawaii has six of the top eight, or excuse me, four of the top eight pass catchers in the league so far. Yeah, they're really good. That's why Cedric Bird was my the player yard. of the yeah. year, midseason offensive player of the year was Cedric Bird. Let me ask you a side question. Well, why could a wide receiver from Hawaii win player of the year? I don't see why not. Is there anybody else in the league that's that dominant besides maybe? I mean, would you be surprised if Cedric Bird scored four more touchdowns this week? No. I would not. I would be. I'd be if he gets a five. I'd be an eyebrow raise. Before it's like the baseline almost. <laughs> no, but I no. I wouldn't be surprised if he did what ten for two twenty and four touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be shocked, but I wouldn't be. I'd be be a great, fun thing to watch. It's also on Facebook, by the way, if you're wondering for the mainland folks. But no, I would. I would be like, oh, that's a really good game. But I wouldn't be. Holy crap! Look what he did. Oh my gosh, he had what two hundred two hundred yards. I'd be like, okay, yeah, I can see it happening. Okay, so we've talked a lot about what we think Hawaii's potential ceiling is in this game. Um, so I guess we should maybe play the devil's advocate and ask, does New Mexico have a prayer? Do, do they pray? I don't know. I don't know I'm just saying. Um, uh, yes. Cole McDonald is a, can be a turnover machine at times. But again, this is a secondary I know, a defense I rather know. that has one interception this year. I, I know. I'm just saying, he's prone to. I can make this football fit through that keyhole that's not there, not that's blocked off and painted closed. He thinks he can make that shot in this in any good game. There's that. Lobos do have a decent running game. Like they can run the ball reasonably well. I mean, that's basically what it comes down to, right? Keep the they ball. have to keep the offense off the field and have some good running plays to score points. And then to that point, I just want to point out that the Warriors for the moment are next to last on a per play basis as far as run defense. Like they're at, they're allowing 5.6 yards per carry, which would seem to be good news for guys like Bryson Carroll, who, mm-hmm. you know, he looks like he's got um, that explosive element on the ground that New Mexico was really lacking in the early parts of the year. And if Amari Davis is back to 100%, even better for them. Well, it might not do enough, I don't think, even if they play well, you know what I mean? Is is this like our way of avoiding like the, the, the other headline around this game? <laughs> I was reading right now, that's why I paused. I haven't read the whole story yet. Um, they're missing a quarterback in this game. Sharon Jones is done um, for, what do you want to say here, inappropriate activity? In a parking uh, lot of the mall structure? Let's just call it like it is. He was charged with indecent exposure. <laughs> there you go. That's the, the proper way to say it. We tweeted out. If you want to go read it, great. I'm not going to care to expound upon what it is. He, You yeah. know what it is? It's it's embarrassing for this program. It is. That's why it's embarrassing to talk about it. Especially since we – what was it? Bob Davies was suspended for, for interfering with a sexual assault allegation last year? Yeah. So, hey, I don't, also don't want to give Davey credit for doing the simplest thing in the world by – suspending him for however long he's gone at least for the year 
I mean, it's just, you know, it speaks to the larger point. Like, obviously, Sheeran Jones wasn't really getting it done at quarterback. Like, he, he did some, make some plays with his legs. You but want to call turnover machine? That was him. Yeah, he was <laughs> basically sinking the offense with the turnovers. Yeah. Um, so, but I, at this point, I just don't know how much of a difference Tavaka Tuioti is going to make. I still think he's the best quarterback all year they've had. He should have been the I mean, guy the whole time. I mean, maybe. But, you know, one, he's, got to, he's got to stay on the field and avoid turnovers himself because – you know, Jones is suspended. Uh, Brant Hughes is done Officially for the year. Out. So they had four quarterbacks. Now they have two. They have Tuioti and they have Trey Hall, who yeah. still hasn't seen the field that much this year. But if anything happens to Tuioti as the starter now, now all of a sudden you're talking about dire straits that Already I don't dire. think anybody, anybody would have imagined coming into the year. All right. So what do the advanced numbers say here, man? What do they got? Okay. So FEI likes Hawaii. Uh, they favor the Warriors by 15.2. Uh, SP plus, uh, sorry, I'm trying to find it here. They also like the Warriors by 9.7 with a 71% win probability. What's, what do you got? What's your prediction here? They could not make this line high enough for me. <laughs> we also said that about BYU-Boise State and that kind of bit us. Yeah, I just, you know, but this is New Mexico we're talking about at this point. Is this game going to get Bob Davey fired? Is that the point total you're looking at here? I mean, it, I don't know. If it hasn't happened yet, <laughs> it's kind of hard to say whether it's actually ever going to happen. Um, I'm going to say Hawaii 52. 52. Uh, New Mexico 31. So you think they'll put up some points? I mean, I think it's inevitable that they'll put up some points. But I don't think they're going to be able to keep up with this passing offense now. I'm going pretty high scoring as well. I'm going to go 45 Hawaii. And I guess I'll go New Mexico 20. 45-20. All right, then. That's where we get it. All right, next game. CSU at Fresno State. More suspension news. Marvin Kinsey, what was it official? Is it definitely suspended from the team? Uh, I believe so, yeah. I, honestly, I meant to look it up before. Do we know what the situation was? It can't be worse than Mexico, right? Uh, no, I don't think it's anything <laughs> like that. I don't know that there's any explicit reason, uh, no, at least not that I have seen. So he's gone. He's the league's leading rusher. Did you have Patrick O'Brien out there? Is this a game where Fresno's going to have a similar um, outcome to like last week versus UNLV, where defense uh, came alive and kind of took advantage of everything that was handed to them? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's definitely on the table. Um, I think it, a lot is going to depend on O'Brien and that passing offense because, yeah, losing the league's leading rusher is definitely going to hurt. But it's not like the guys behind him are chopped liver. Like, we've seen flashes from guys like Marcus McElroy, but yeah, the guys behind him, whether it's Christian Hunter or Jalen Thomas, are kind of like big unknowns. And we've seen teams like even beatable teams you know be able to kind of make at least some noise against this bulldogs defense like just, and you don't really have to look any further than the first half of last week's game against unlv mm-hmm. so i don't necessarily think it's you know they're they're gonna welcome colorado state and then roll over them i think that there's still plenty on the table that the rams can do and i think most of that is going to come down to how effectively they throw the football do you think they will throw it effectively, though? I mean, I think they might, because I think that maybe more so than a lot of other teams that the Bulldogs have faced to this 
point. Mm-hmm. You know, Colorado State, you know, maybe they don't have the same kind of ground game at this point, but we saw the Bulldogs struggle a little bit with big, strong, athletic wide receivers in non-conference play. So I look at I look back at Minnesota and USC and I can't help but wonder how they're going to do defending on the one hand a big target like Warren Jackson who's who, healthy, right? He's back he's, 100%. He's healthy. Yeah. Um Dante and, Wright's back there, Nate and, Craig, and Trey Myers. McBride who's very quietly, I think he's number 1 in the conference as far as receptions at least by a tight end. Um you know, so like they've shown the ability to get creative on offense and that's something that Fresno State's going to have to contend with at least to some degree. I don't know if it's going to be possible for them to shut down this offense entirely. They might just need to kind of hang on and adjust as the game progresses uh, to really kind of get the upper hand in the long run. So speaking, let's kind of go to Fresno. Like they were kind of, they're just an odd team this year. They're not what we thought, but UNLV second half kind of turned it around. Like remember, this uh, Rams defense, we haven't talked about that. It's really bad. Really bad. And so, what do you think about your Fresno State team? Because they moved the ball well versus UNLV short field, which any team should be able to score those points. Because they, I think they I think they scored, what did they score, Matt? 28 points off turnovers and a turnover on downs every time they had the chance with the short field. Mm-hmm. They scored. I'm pretty sure, well, I'm not pretty sure, but UNLV's defense isn't much different than CSU. Is this another big game for like Jorge Reina and the running game for Fresno? Well, I mean, I think we had talked about this uh, at some point, or maybe I wrote about it. Um, maybe the Rams' defense is starting to figure things out. Because when you look at what they've done in non-conference play, and and maybe you add the caveat of you know some, you know who they've faced so far, but against Utah State, San Diego State, New Mexico, um, they've been a little bit better than they were in non-conference play. You know, they held the Aggies to five yards per play. And yeah, maybe a part, some of that is owing to the inclement weather that they played in. Um, they held the Aztecs under four yards per play. And they held the Lobos, um, you know, they made they basically made them one-dimensional. And, you know, by the end of that game, the, they were really racking up a lot of yards on the ground. But they, they held them under the average. So, like, they're on the season, they're still giving up 5.8 yards per play. But that might be a little deceptive. I think it is because like, I remember Utah State game. The, I, the fourth quarter was awful for the Rams. Like they were mm. pretty good first three quarters, but then like the New Mexico, it's still over five yards to carry. It's like it's New Mexico. They they're not what they used to be really getting big yards like Army or like triple option team. They move the ball mm-hmm. well. Like you're right, they are getting better, but I'm not buying that they're a good. De- like well, I shouldn't say they're good defense. Maybe they're slightly better, but again, Toledo's not very good. I don't think, and they give up like nine yards to play to Toledo. Yeah, Toledo's kind of fallen off a little bit this yeah. year. Yeah, what are the? I, I think what five hundred maybe something like that. Not great. Mm-hmm. So maybe they are a touch better, but just another chance for I think for the Fresno offense to actually get some confidence before they head into playing some tougher teams. Maybe. I mean, I think that you know if you look at some of the advanced numbers, one thing that Colorado State still might have to prove is especially defending the run. But again, you know. It's it, you know, Fresno State has a good but not great running game, but it's still worth noting that at least on defense, you know the Rams are still 114th nationally in opportunity rate, and they're still just 109th by stuff rate. So they aren't really getting into the backfield as much as you know some of the traditional numbers might let might, might lead you to believe. Like they, it's not like they don't have playmakers up front. Like you know, 
Jan Philip Bombeck has six tackles for loss, but a lot of that has to do with the fact that he has five sacks. Um, you know, same thing with Ellison Hubbard and other guys who have been contributors on that front. What I want to see is how well you know the, the linebackers match up in, in making sure they don't get forced back to the second level if Fresno State decides to attack them with the ground game you know, between the tackles. So I'm I'm looking for bigger games or big games rather from guys like Cameron Carter from Tron Folsom. You know, those guys who, um, you know, they're kind of in the middle of that defense. And, or even a guy like Dequan Jackson, who very quietly has been, you know, working his way up among the league leaders and tackles. So I think, you know, the offensive line versus the linebackers in particular is going to be an offense to watch. You know, who really gets the upper hand in that regard? Because when CSU can pin their ears back, that's where they've been a little bit better than you might suspect. You know, they're in the top they're right outside the top 40 nationally as far as uh, sack rate is concerned on defense. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they have a 7.5% team sack rate. But, you know, if Fresno wants to get aggressive on early downs, it's worth noting that they've been even better than that on standard downs. So it's going to be a real cat and mouse game in a lot of different respects, I think. So, like, do you think, let's kind of flip back around a little bit. Like, Patrick, you mentioned the receiver for CSU. They're all back. Patrick O'Brien this is going to be one of the better, I think, pass defenses, offenses they faced. Like, they haven't oh, played yeah. Hawaii at the – this might be the best passing game since, like, when they played USC. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure – I don't recall what Minnesota's passing attack was like, but this is going to be a challenge for that secondary, even though for it's good but not great like last year. Like, with all those guys back, um, here it is. Yeah, Tanner Morgan, not too bad. 234 yards in Minnesota open game, overtime game. Yeah. So – this like this is gonna test a secondary with three guys, maybe four guys who can get out there and catch the ball. I think if the Rams are going to keep it close to win, they're gonna it's gonna be like a shootout type of game where they're just gonna pass, 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 and Brian could have like three hundred and twenty yards or something, possibly. Well, and if you're looking for a silver lining and losing Kinsey, and maybe that helps them change their fortunes as far as turnovers are concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they have just one game this year where they haven't had any fumbles. And Kinsey, you know, for as good as he had been, was a significant part of that problem. You know, they have 12 lost fumbles on the season, uh, and I think he had like seven or eight of them by himself. So if if McElroy or, or whoever ends up taking the lion's share of the ground game can protect the football, um, that might be another thing that we that has really worked to betray the Rams almost week in and week out. But that might also be the kind of thing that helps them keep this game a lot closer than you might expect. All right, so what do we got here? All right, so uh, – no, sorry, I just flipped away from the tab. Uh, so FEI, as the page loads, this is really riveting podcasting. Two touchdown uh, favorite for Fresno State. So what do they got on that front? Okay, so FEI likes the Bulldogs by even more than two touchdowns. Uh, the, they favor them by 21.4. That's a lot of points. It is a lot of points. Uh, SP plus – also favors the Bulldogs by just 14.7, which is an 80% win probability. And what's your win probability? I guess um, your win, I should say. <laughs> I mean, I think the I think the Bulldogs will probably come away with this one, but I would definitely take the Rams and the points if I could. You think it'll be close? I think it'll be high scoring, which is why I think it'll be close. Uh, I'm going to say Fresno State 35, Colorado State 31. 35-31? Yeah. 
That is a surprisingly close. Why? Why do you think it's so close? Just because you don't trust your Fresno defense? I kind of want to see it. Yeah, because they've you, again last week was the first week where they really buried a beatable opponent. Okay. And so, but I still have kind of a little bit of prove it as far as whether they can do that again because well, it took them three and a half quarters to get there. Yeah, and Colorado State, you know, even with its flaws, still remains uh, an offense, at least with a lot of talent that they're going to have to contend with. I am going Fresno to win and cover, but it's close, like 35-20. I think think they'll be yards, but I think Fresno defense will make some stops here and there. Maybe not get, like, the benefit of the uh, 20-yard field they got a couple times. Yeah. But uh, those type of things. All right, so next – oh, we should mention – we didn't even mention when this game was on anywhere. It is a really quick 4.30 Pacific time. That's interesting kick time on ESPNU. All right. That's good, right? Not a late game for you. Are you going to this game, Matt? Have you been to a game this year? I uh, haven't had a chance to yet, no. This one maybe? Maybe not? Maybe. We'll see. Maybe we'll see. All right, we'll see. It's not an 8 o'clock t- kick, which is nice, right? Yeah. All right. So here's what we got. Next game, Utah State Air Force. Is this the game of the week? I think it is. Aggies four and two league play three and zero Mountain West Air Force five and two three yes three and one in league play right there for themselves. We talked before Air Force is a slight three point favorite three and a half point favorite which I think is not the right call. You disagree with me though? Well, I mean, I think it basically means that the Vegas sees these two teams as even. Yeah, you know, if you consider yeah. that home point advantage is usually worth about Close three points, three, yeah. Which you know to me sounds about right. I I don't know. It's like, uh, am I still clinging on to Jordan Love being like a super great quarterback, even though he hasn't really proved it this year of being a super great quarterback? He's just been, eh. Well, and that's really, I think, most of the rub because at least, you know, going back to what I had mentioned earlier, like SP Plus, for instance, if you look at what Utah State and Air Force have done to this point, what you might suspect their overall standing is, um, you know, isn't bounded on what you might think it is. So overall, Air Force is 49th in the latest SB Plus rankings. They're the highest Utah team, State right? Is, uh, no, Boise State is still ahead of them. Oh, okay. Uh, Utah State is not far behind them at 54. But when you look at the splits between offense and defense, on offense, Air Force is 25th. Utah State is 93rd. And conversely, on defense, the Falcons are 83rd and the Aggies are 33rd. So this matchup is like, it comes at a very interesting point for both teams because, you know, both of these teams have kind of lingering questions that, you know, they have to resolve. And I think first and foremost is can Jordan Love get back on track? Can he be closer to what we saw in 2018 than what we've seen for most of 2019? And yeah, that leads to other questions like, can Air Force defend the pass? Because they've been very uneven in that regard more often than not this year. So I feel like you know you have this kind of large question surrounding Jordan Love in particular because I think how well he plays is more or less going to determine how well um, you know the rest of the team plays. But again, we just saw last week where, or you know, two weeks ago, Air Force was, you know, they couldn't buy a stop when it came to stopping Jorge Reyna. And then they buckled down and they shut him down in the second half against Fresno State. 
and last week, you know, other than the kind of bizarro interception that they had from you know, off the receiver's knee and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, play of the year probably in college football. Hawaii still had over 400 yards passing against this defense. So that's where I start looking at this game is are the Falcons going to be able to slow Jordan Love, contain Jordan Love, or is he going to finally be able to break out? Because if he can, the Falcons aren't going to be able to do what they want to do, which is you know sit back and, and just run the football right at them. I don't think they're going to be able to run against this Utah State defense as well. You don't think so? Utah State's rush defense is pretty good. David, Wood, David Woodward, Tippa, Galea, they have a lot of guys back there. I know the triple option is a different beast, but like when you look at what they're doing on rushing defense, it's it is tough to like it's tough to stop that clearly. And they're sitting at what they're not, um sorry, rush defense, excuse me, looking at the wrong one here. Like they're touchdown wise are good. Yards per play is top three in the conference, like three point one nine, only eight six TDs. Mm-hmm. So there's ways to stop it, but then again, we know what Air Force can do. Um it depends who's quarterback. I've been looking right now. I haven't seen anything on if it's um, Cole McDonald or not Cole. Sorry, um, Donald Hammond because he left the game injured. Mike Schmidt came in and played really, really well. And- so uh, Brett Brigham actually had an update from practice. It was about a day ago. Oh, I, I think thought- um, I must have missed he- that. Hammond is practicing, okay. but there is no real sense about whether or not he's going to play. Um, Isaiah Sanders and Schmidt were both out there as well. Oh, Sanders is getting back in there. That's good. Yeah, I guess so. It's uh, So Brigham noted that he was back on the practice field. Hammond was, but he didn't participate in throwing drills. Does it matter, though, who's quarterback, really? I mean, I think so. I think with... Okay, Schmidt played well, but also, again, against um, Hawaii. Which, clear, we know their defense isn't all, as good as Utah State, clearly. Yeah. And I get it does take reps like... The triple option, it's for him doing that while coming off the bench and guiding that offense because it's a lot of – you hear about timing offense, passing where it's a quick throw, you're throwing to a spot every time. Triple option is kind of the same thing. It's an extremely timed offense with the fullback dive, the fake, Mm -hmm. the pitch, knowing when to pitch, being comfortable knowing when your guy in the receiving end, the running back or H-back, whoever it may be, is there to know he's probably going to pitch in this situation to be ready. So there's a lot of timing thing. A timing deal. So him coming off the bench almost cold. He probably practiced a bit last week because Sanders has been out and hurt. So that does help during practice. But if you're QB1, you're taking like 95% of the reps all week. You're not giving your backup much time to play at all because you're not expected to play a quarterback. It's always the QB. QB1 out there the whole time. And so yeah. it does matter that, it, again, a week to a better opponent could make it different. But they seem to almost always do reasonably well. But they need to be more than reasonably well running the ball to be Utah State. Well, and I'll give you another reason why it might make a huge difference. Uh, if you ignore, yeah, and if you, like if, for those of you who visit CF, uh, CFB stats, for instance, for all the all your statistical purposes, if you kind of ignore the common barrier of like you know attempts per game, which obviously Air Force doesn't throw the ball a lot, yeah. Um, but if you sort by attempts and just kind of look at every single quarterback in the conference of note, um, Donald Hammond is the highest rated passer in the conference right now. Yeah. Better than Cole McDonald. So I said he's pretty good. Tell people, but but you wouldn't expect him to be number one. And a lot of that, even though he's only completing 50.8% of his passes one, that's kind of where you want it to be, but also he's averaging over 11 yards per throw which is a huge step 
in the right direction compared to what they were able to do last year. And, you know, to his credit, Schmidt was even better than that when he had, when he came in, mm-hmm. um, you know, last week against Hawaii. But 11 yards per carry is better than what the Falcons were able to do in the last couple of years. Yeah. And so, you know, Gerard Sanders has been kind of the primary beneficiary of mm-hmm. that. We haven't really mentioned him at all in in most of our preview or recap podcasts, but he is like very quietly one of the best pass catchers in the conference. You know, he only has 20 catches, but he's averaging 24 yards a catch. And he's on pace to basically be Jalen Robinette in 2014. When when Robinette, even though he only, I think he had 40 catches that year, but he had over 800 yards. Yeah, he was nuts on the field. And so if Hammond can't go, you know, you look at Schmidt and you, you can say, yeah, he played really well last week, but that was in a really small sample size. So in a lot of respects, if he ends up seeing the majority of the time under center, that's still kind of a huge if for them. If Hammond can go, I think you can feel a lot better about their chances to hit those 50-50 plays. Which, you know, when you consider how well this defense plays up front, this Utah State defense, that is. But you mentioned real quick, he gets 11 yards per play. Schmidt was 5 of 6 for, or yeah, 5 of 6 for 25 yards attempt, essentially, 24 and a half. Is that more the receivers out there, or is it the quarterback? Not that he'd keep that pace going if he starts, but if they're both doing that well, it, it may not matter. I know the track record, one game is not enough compared to what Hammond has done all year, but you got to think if one guy could pass well, maybe he have another almost as good as game i mean and that's what i'm saying like five of six is like an extremely small yeah. sample and so it's it's kind of a, a perilous exercise to <laughs> really draw any lasting conclusions from that i think we'd both so, prefer hammond to give him the best chance to win right yes so would that change your result or prediction of who starts uh i think that it would yeah would you pick either would you pick air force to win in any either situation i would Ooh. I'm guessing Hammond starting clearly. <laughs> uh, yeah, if we want to play the spoiler alert, yeah. <laughs> well, it's not obvious the starting or, or the backup. is like, well, no, the backup is better, really, you know. Um, what do we got here? Cause, um, I don't know. Also, I guess one thing to to Jalen Warren's going to be one more week healthy back in this game, too. So if you have a healthy Warren and Jared, Gerald Bright for Utah State, it's a big deal. Yeah, and, and going back to your original point about, you know, can Air Force run against this defense, I think that's a fair question to ask of Utah State as well because mm-hmm. Air Force has been just as tough on a per-play basis against the run. So what do we got then? Um, what's your prediction? What's FEI and SP Plus got for this one then? All right, FEI? Oh, my God, you're not going to believe this. Um, Utah State by 45. <laughs> no, Air, the FEI really likes Air Force. Interesting. 20.8 to win by yeah that's gotta be a typo i have no idea if it's a typo plug the numbers maybe, in again <laughs> maybe it is brian and, and put like, the numbers in again because <laughs> uh hold on i now, now i'm looking at this because i'm looking at like other similar kinds of of lines because they break it down into its components mm-hmm. before it spits out kind of the projected margin um I'm kind of thinking maybe there's a typo there. I might have to reach out to Brian Fremo. Is it 2.8 maybe? Maybe? 20.8 seems unlikely. I was going to say. 2.8 I get, yeah. Um, Especially when you consider SP+. Um, They also like the Falcons, but um, it's by a a more reasonable, I guess you would say, 3.3 points, which is a 58% win probability. Yeah, that's kind of what – Oh, it's interesting. Okay, number fire. 
has Air Force like by eight points. Interesting. Thirty three twenty six. I guess touchdown essentially. Um, I got Utah State winning this game. I think they can pull the upset and get to win. I guess technically upset. What's the over under on this one? What are we looking at here? It's a uh, fifteen and a half. I think because here's what I'm thinking: Utah State is comparable to Boise State in my opinion, and Air Force kind of and defenses specifically. Both defenses are pretty good. Clearly, well, yeah, they're, they got good players. I mean, not necessarily overall really good, but they got good teams, good players, good schemes. Air Force has kind of ran out of gas last when they played Boise State. Also, there's a little bit of a mispass, kind of a luck catch by Boise State to kind of extend the game. But I think it'll be somewhat close, but I'm going to go 35-24 Utah State. I'm going to disagree. Ooh. I think Air Force can, can pull it out. I'm not saying they can't, but I'm saying they won't. <laughs> I'm going to say Falcons Falcons 31 Aggies 28 Ooh. So you got Utah State barely covering the half point there Crucial half yeah. point Alright this game as we, we did not mention though it's saying Now it's 8-15 Mountain Time ESPN 2 Final game of the weekend San Diego State at UNLV Over under is only 45 points <laughs> Aztecs by, by 13 points favored And it's on CBS Sports Network You know the home of the Aztecs um. Oh. Oh. Actually, let's back up real quick. Can I mention something about Utah State game we didn't get to? Okay. Did you check? Did you happen to see the what kind of Troy Calhoun kind of going off the rails for his press conference? Oh, are you talking about the? Uh, there's the two. There's unwilling, two the, the unwillingness to address players who had previously been accused of using cocaine and found guilty of cocaine as well. Yeah. Not just that. I don't know where he's getting this from because he's already talked about which you weren't here when I discussed last time. Um, him wanting to leave the Mountain West for some reason. Yeah, I, I remember that. And then complaining about the age of the Utah State players. Did you see about that too? I did. And like, like, like really? And then some guy broke it down. Um, of all the starters, zero snaps with the guys who went on like LDS missions. Zero guys got snapped. I think there's eight snaps in the whole game. And. This is the oldest, and I talk about this. I've had done this stuff when I used to work for a BYU specific show. You'd hear all these, oh, you got these old guys on the other side of the team. It's like, yes, it's more prevalent at BYU than, say, Utah State or Utah or any skate in Utah. There's a few at Boise State, but not many. But it's not helpful to players, right? Because if you go away for a couple years, it's not helpful. Just because you're older, you might be more mature, say, mentally a little bit about life stuff. But you're not going to come out and be like, gained 30 pounds of muscle be this amazing athlete to come back and play football in two years right okay i'm just going to point out that air force air force is four and three all time against utah state yeah why why i know i don't get it he's like you got these guys seven year guys look at their birth dates on the roster i'm like what is he trying to what is he trying to accomplish by throwing this garbage out there that's long been disproved and not true on any measure measure at all i have no clue is he I, he's, he's just he's going crazy is he being a crazy old man i don't know i really don't yeah i, I don't know. i just saw that i was gonna look up the ages and stuff like whatever but like somebody actually did the snaps uh-huh. it's like negligible who played and who got plenty of time so that does not surprise me that's maybe why i'm going to utah state because troy calhoun's going crazy but let's go back to the aztecs and rebels game here um did you see usa today put out the buyout numbers for certain teams and players and coaches 
I did see that. Tony Sanchez, a cool $650,000. Not very much. No. No, it's not. So Vertada's going to want to pay it out or keep sticking around because they kind of put money in when he got hired. So I don't know if you had a chance to listen to podcast Ain't Played Nobody. I, I did not uh, Over week. at uh, Banner Society now, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, they they have, kind of, I guess, what you would call an ongoing series because uh, they're, they're dubbing it the silly season because you know, it's all about head coaching potential changes and things like that which is awesome so one of the fun. one of the first things they talked about in the first episode was this situation around tony sanchez because you know as bad as the on-field product has looked more often than not like you know the partitas are still in his corner there's still like a lot of attractive things about the job you know not only the new football complex they have the new stadium opening next year so on and so forth that um, look great with with eight thousand people showing up in that sixty thousand seat stadium. You thought Qualcomm was bad? Oh boy. So I mean, I think some of it is going to depend on how the powers that be ultimately weigh those kind of off field connections. So what you're telling off field assets versus the on field performance? What you're telling me? Furtado's run the show because if you want money, you keep my guy Sanchez there for at least another year. I I don't know. That's the big question. The the way that Stephen Godfrey made it sound made it sound like it was. Almost guaranteed to happen. To what happened? Fired? Yeah. He knows a lot of people. He's a good reporter and stuff. So it seems like that would be the logical choice with... Here's the thing, too. They already got a lot of Furtado's money. How much more are they going to put into the program? I mean, as much as it takes to make it a winner, I think. No, but I'm just saying, like, it's not like it's a... They've been slowing money here and here. They put... They do other stuff than football because... Um, yeah, they've put, I think, a tennis facility, a couple other things. So stuff's already out there for them. Yeah. So it's not like they've been promising money, whatever, come on late. They were a reason he got hired there. We know that. But he's already been donating to the program. It may not be as much if they're gone, but they've already kind of reaped the benefits of him being around with Sanchez being hired. Mm-hmm. And they're already going to be gifted a state, a billion-dollar stadium. Yeah. So why do you need him, really? That's an excellent question. So do you think um, – is he gone this year? Because somebody asked this question, we'll ask it now on the show. Is he going to be the first coach fired? At this point, I really don't know who the first coach is going to be hired. I think it's just – it seems fairly reasonable to say that multiple coaches are going to get fired. Do you want to be first in the situation or second? <laughs> I mean, I don't – I think you just don't want to be in that situation. Basically. Obviously. So what you're saying, it's UNLV, New Mexico, and CSU. However, wasn't Mike Bobo's buyout like $6 million? Was that what it was? It is a hefty chunk of coin. Millions of dollars. Yeah, which, which, by the way, um, they also talked about that job plus the New Mexico job, as you mentioned, oh, on the most recent episode of yeah. Banner Society's PAPN. I need to go so, listen to it this week. I got time. Definitely, so. definitely go check that out if you're one of those fan bases, plus a lot more. Um, but maybe we should do, maybe we should use that to kind of talk about this game. I guess we got to. Um, so we we saw this game up close last week. First, you, here's the weird thing. UNLV wasn't playing that bad for Fresno State for most of the game. No. I, I assume you were kind of worried about the game because you thought your Bulldogs might lose, right? Uh, full disclosure: I put UNLV, I, I put money on UNLV plus fifteen. I know you did. <laughs> I was I was feeling very good about that for about an hour and a half, and then the fourth quarter happened. And then the fourth quarter happened. Uh, but it's your team wins by a lot, so that's still good. I know you don't put a ton of money, so it's like yeah, whatever, not too much. But like you were, they weren't. They were in that game. However, I think we can agree San Diego State's probably better than Fresno State this year. Okay, so can we talk about that for a moment? Okay. 
because disagree i mean no 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 i I think that you're definitely at least for right now san jose state's playing like or excuse me san diego state's playing like the better team Mm -hmm. but just to kind of emphasize that point because i can't remember if i put this out on on twitter at all by sp plus the aztecs not only have the number one defense in the group of five which they are i believe number i'm trying to scroll down and see he puts uh, up today by top five overall so they're number 19 as far as defensive SMB plus. They are also number one in the group of five by special teams SP plus. That's really good. What's so, your offense at, Matt? <laughs> the, their offense is 120th. Okay, just want to put that out there as well. Yeah, and so I think that, you know, again, there's still work to be done on that side of the ball. John Washington, but, just do something, please. <laughs> but in a lot of ways, this might be the most Aztecs team we have seen in a very long time. For, for a number of reasons. And I think that's kind of where you have to start talking about this game because we kind of know what UNLV wants to go in this game to do. They they, they want to run the ball first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And, and third and fourth as well. Yeah. <laughs> but it's going to be a huge question about whether they're able to do that against this San Diego State front, which for all intents and purposes seems to really be coming into its own as far as defending the run. Like... Not just on a on a yards per carry basis, but you know, if you go down and you look at pretty much every single advanced measure, you know, by defensive line yards per carry, they're eighth nationally. Opportunity rate, they're eleventh nationally. They're second in defensive power success rate, second in stuff rate. And you can't really pin it on one guy. Like everybody in that front is playing extremely well right now. Yeah. You know, you know Kaiba Tizino was obviously the big name coming into the year, but pretty much every person that was expected to step up on the defensive line in particular, you know, Miles Cheatham, Cameron Thomas, Kishon Banks, every single one of those guys has played at an extremely high level so far. So that could pose a huge problem for the Rebels because if they can't get Charles Williams going, if they find themselves in a lot of third and long situations where they have to put the ball in Kenyon Oblad's hands to to keep the chains moving. Uh, I don't like those odds if I'm a UNLV fan. You're right, because Fresno State's defense, good but not great, but you mentioned like how great much better they are. Fresno stopping what they did versus UNLV picks and turnover and downs, like if Aztecs get even half of that, they'll win by they'll win going away. Mm-hmm. Like they don't need like the as I know I said people SP plus like offense numbers, not like who cares about total yards, which is what Fresno didn't have last week, but Give me the Aztec offense, 30-yard score touchdown, they'll get it. Like, if they get deep turnovers in that part of the field, or you can send their special team so good, say they get a good kick return, or their whatever the field position goes their way, where it slowly creeps back in their favor for 5 yards here, 10 yards here, and they have all these short fields to work with, they like they can put up a ton of points versus Rebel defense, which is susceptible. They don't like, they give up points, that's what I'm thinking about there. Yeah, and to kind of <laughs> to kind of emphasize the point I was making before, it was, uh, Max Olson over at the Athletic has his weekly column, I think it is, on stop rate, which is just the percentage of plays, if I remember correctly, that end in a turnover, a turnover on downs, or just a punt. Right? Um, the Aztecs are the only Group of Five team in the top ten. Yeah, they're good. They are very good. <laughs> so, what? 
uh, we haven't mentioned um, any Juwan Washington needs to be better. I think he uh, could this be a game where he gets to his we thought he would get right for San Jose State. Will he be better in this game? Running the ball, get above like four yards of carry for once? Kind of a big if because they don't need you know, it, but you, it'd be nice. Noonelby's been okay as far as defending the run, which is why I kind of think that the, the X factor in this game Agnew. is whether or not Ryan Agnew can keep playing at a high level. Yeah, look at UNLV real quick. They're, well, are you sure they're good? Give it a bubble six year. No, Matt, you're wrong. Or no, sorry, I apologize. I, I'm looking at it backwards again. I hate when I do reverse flip numbers. With them giving up six yards of play on deep, rushing defense, UNLV that is, they're worse in Hawaii, man. I was looking at, oh, you know what? I was looking at the offensive line. We did, I did. Too, this is six on football outsiders, so sorry. disregard. Disregard. I was like, wait a minute, am I wrong? Because I, I usually think I'm wrong when I do something like that. I'm like, hold on, mate, I got one on you, Matt, finally. But, but I think that I think the more the more glaring mismatch in this regard, you know, because we've kind of documented the Aztec struggles in, in getting a consistent running game going. Mm-hmm. I think it's more important that the Rebels are also on defense 119th in sack rate. So, you know, if they can't force Ryan Agnew into mistakes, if they can't force him to move off of his spot, you know, that I think is going to play greatly into san diego state's favor all right so what what is sp plus what do those guys say all right so fei likes the aztecs by 13.3 and sp plus is in that same neighborhood too they also like san diego state by 14.6 which is an 80 percent win probability 80 percent i'm thinking you know San san diego state has like that one game all year they just crush everybody I think this is that game. I'm predicting San Diego State to score. I'll say it. They're going to crack 40 points. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I think they'll get, I'll go 41 to to 13. I'm doing I mean, that. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be quite that bold. Yeah. But... Bold. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if that, I don't know if I'm going to be 40 points bold, but I think I would be 30 points bold. Okay. Uh, it's going to be a long night for the Rebels. Let's put it that way. I'm going to say Aztecs 31, UNLV 10. So did it Fresno put up 56 points last week? They did. So you're telling me San Diego State can't get to 40? I mean, I think it's more likely <laughs> that they just try to sit on things. True. Honest. No, they, they can win this game 20, 21 to 0 and not even be close at all. I can see that happening too. This is the kind of game that could be like 21 to 3 at halftime. And stay that way. <laughs> and then just kind of be like the blandest possible second half. With that's, just like suffocating defense. So if you're a fan of defense. Daniel Fresno, that's you. your game, right? Yeah. <laughs> he always complains about being offense. Like, you only like offense. Like, well, offense can be more exciting. More exciting things happen in offense, I got to say. However, not if you're Air Force with the ball bouncing off six um, extremities and then get a pick six. Then that's pretty exciting too. All right, so we got that game. We went a long time. Who cares? 70 minutes. You're welcome. Week 9 is here. So Saturday, check out all of our stuff we do at mwire.com. Previews, predictions, our picks are out there. I may, I finally put out the uh, power rankings. That should be out this time. We got three teams with the number one vote. Would you, Matt, did you put Boise State number one this week? Is that where you to put them? Uh, I think I might have forgotten to submit mine. I'm surprised, but, but I um, think that I would, I would keep Boise at number one. I was surprised I didn't get much more hate on this. Maybe because I snuck mine out there midday Monday, not Sunday afternoon. Maybe that's strategic on my part. I put Boise third. 
Hmm. Worst loss of all the teams between San Diego State and Utah State. Worst loss among the three of those. Yeah, somebody's out there flipping a table right now. Hey, doing it in my name. I don't care. Raj, you can do it. <laughs> I know you sat, Raj. Come on. <laughs> Tell me what you're doing in Denver and be careful that wall will be built around you too in New Mexico, apparently. So there's that as well. <laughs> I think it's a good place to end there, but um, yeah, it's three teams. Get, Boise's still the number one team overall, but it's much closer. Um, Aztecs and Aggies got a first place vote as well, so I put Utah State number one because they beat San Diego State too. So that's where I'm sitting at. Um, MWR.com again. We're again. I think the feeds are all synced up, but if not, go to Anchor.fm or check out the tweet we put out. That's where you can find the show. But I believe it's synced up most everywhere. Matt, I think we're we'll be on Spotify pretty soon. I guess that's a big deal. So check I that. know that people were clamoring for that, so that is a big deal. I had one person a couple weeks ago ask us, and one weird thing too, I have one podcast to listen to. I have Pocket Cast, which you would assume we could find any podcast. There's one podcast I cannot find, so I listen to one podcast on Spotify. So, yeah. There you go. Just, it's, it's just a weird thing. But, yeah, if you want Spotify, go for it there. We'll be there soon. And I guess basically you know what it is. Search Mountainless Wire Podcast. We're there, and we'll be back Sunday to recap all these games, and we'll see you next time, folks.